My name's Jay. Um, welcome to all of you that are here. Welcome to all of you that are online. Um, so many of you guys know, some of you guys know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of music and, and songwriting and, and so forth. And so when you think of these great songwriters, these are a few that I've come up with. And so this is sort of me, not you. This is my list. It's not your list. But um, some of those folks include Bob Dylan. Heard of him? Maybe not. I don't know. I, I, it's, oh, no, don't clap for a bot. Well, I guess you can. Um, McCartney and Lennon. I'm a big Beatles fan. Paul Simon. I'll throw Taylor Swift in there. She's getting talked about a lot this morning. Um, just these famous songwriters. But what about David? Right? He's a, he's a rock star. He's a songwriter. He's a poet. And what songs are more famous than the Psalms? And let's, let's go into his greatest hits for just a little bit. Um, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? So David was our first blues singer. <laughs> All right, so Psalm 23, so Maybe the most famous psalm that we know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. My favorite um, is Psalm 103. Uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. He forgives your iniquity. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit, and he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Um, let's pray real quick, and then we'll get going. Lord, thank you um, for what we get to hear about and talk about in your word and your servant, David. Um, bring this word to life. Bring it to life by your Holy Spirit in our heart. Um, and Lord, uh, just thank you for this gathering. Thank you that we continue to celebrate life and your resurrected life. We praise you, God, and we love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Famous songwriter, famous fighter, Ali, Frazier, Lewis, Tyson, I'll throw in an MMA guy, <laughs> John Jones, I think that's, he's a famous MMA guy. Um, you've heard of Rumble in the Jungle and uh, the Thriller in Manila. Most famous fight of all time is David's fight. Right, David and Goliath, hands down. Kings, Alexander the Great, Henry VIII, Louis XIV, Elvis. You know, David is up there as this great, great king. And so this king and musician and, and warrior poet, his handprint is all over the scripture. It's all over the Old and New Testament. Um, 
in the time of Jesus, he, he was the Messiah king that the people wanted and expected. And so we're spending this time looking at David's rise to be king over the people of Israel, and we're looking at snapshots. So, um, your, your outline's pretty heavy, but we're going to go through it pretty quickly. Looking at David's character, his faith, and seeing God's hand guide his life as the one who would be anointed king. And to look at David, it's, it's more than a 20-ish, 25-ish minute sermon. It's, it's like a, a master's level theology course. Um, and there's so much connective tissue bringing David's life from, from Old to the New Testament, as I said, and, and into the reality of today. So this wonderful verse that is central to David's identity, I don't, it's, it's not in your outline, but it's, it's coming on the screen. We know that David is a man after God's heart. In 1 Samuel 13, it goes like this, but now your kingdom, and the prophet Samuel is speaking, and he's, ref he's referring to Saul, your kingdom, Saul, shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. It's a great, incredible thing to be described in that way. And, and Samuel, it's like, as he talks to Saul, this king whose rule is spiraling down out of disobedience and his life goes under this tremendous torment. We go back to David and we know that he's a man after God's own heart, full of character, faithful, full of passion, and compassion, full of integrity, and one who's, who is so consumed with God's greatness than his own. And he's not without flaws, and he's not without sin, and you, we may get a peek into that next week. But this brings us to our first snapshot of how God raises up a king. And so this uh, subheading, um, I'm calling it David and the anointing. And it comes from 1 Samuel 16. And there is a lot of scripture that, that sets this up and um, might make you too busy and your page turning and everything like that. So like, stay with the screen. The verses are up there. And it begins here in Samuel 16. God directs Samuel. Well, I'm not there yet. So sorry about that. Um, he directs Samuel toward the home of Jesse. And in the scriptures, it's called He's the Bethlehemite, but Jesse is from Bethlehem, and the Lord tells Samuel that the king is coming from his family. And Samuel proceeds to start with Jesse's oldest son. His name is Eliab, and then there's an Aminadab, and, the, and the, there's, it just goes through this long list, seven sons, and each time the Lord said, not, not this one, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And so after this seventh son, Samuel asks Jesse, is this all you got? The father said to him, there remains yet the youngest, but he's looking after the sheep. And Samuel, well, could you go get him, please? And so as he's, 
inquiring about Jesse's sons, the Lord reminds Samuel of this verse from uh, 1 Samuel 16. It's like this, do not look. And I think this hopefully is a very familiar verse with, 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 with us. For, verse 7, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And I hope that's a, a very helpful reminder from, from God to you. It's a reminder to all of us who are used by God and, and to find a place and a role in God's mission and his kingdom purposes. It, uh, it, it's like reminds us that we can serve. It reminds us that we can step into areas. And um, maybe a question to ask myself, to ask you, to, to ask, like, do we have a heart after God, to know God, to seek God, to serve God? And I believe at River Ridge Church, we do have this. Um, there are a lot of talented people out there and we, um, we know what God could do with them if they really stepped in to trust him. And there's people I know in my life that, that, that haven't stepped into that. And God knew that his next king would be David because he saw into his heart. And maybe he didn't start out that way, but he knew he was seeking into someone, maybe not overly gifted, but someone who would be, and I'm using this acronym that you may also heard, someone who would be fat for God, right? Someone who is faithful, someone who is available, someone who is teachable. That is a person who is fat for God and a willing heart um, that God can use to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And David stands before the prophet Samuel in verse 12. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So in your outline, we know in David that he would be a king filled with the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, the power of the Holy Spirit was not given and available to anyone and everyone. God gave the Spirit to empower certain people of his choosing. And he did do this for the king before David, who was King Saul. But Saul would rule and act without God's authority and, and overstep boundaries and go um, and not listen and not obey. And God would take the power of the Spirit from Saul away. And now it rests, not just one Spirit, but now this power of the Spirit rests in David. And that takes us to our ne next subheading in, in David and Goliath. And this is such a, a wonderful chapter and a super long chapter. Um, the author describes the scene of two warring peoples, the Israelites and the Philistines, and the bad guys had their nine-foot, nine-inch champion. 
So this is three feet high. So I'm about 5'3". Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so what, that's eight foot and a half, something like that? So you need, I don't know, he may be in the lobby or um, Bill Hurley or Paul Payette, they're like six foot six, something like that. You know, that extends to almost nine foot nine inches. And he's carrying this, this armor weighing about 125 pounds and the, 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 the spear is, like the head of the spear is like 15 pounds and he's belittling and cursing and taunting the Israelite army. And we know that it'll be a fight between David and Goliath. We know the outcome, but it's, it also not only reveals this fight between, you know, um, David and Goliath, it, it shows this contrast of who David is and who King Saul is and the weakness and fear and cowering because they're spending in this canyon 40 days in fear because no one is going to step up and fight this guy and the guy who ought to fight it is King Saul. And David lives to act and fight against those who would oppose the honor and the authority of God. In verse 17, David said to the men, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, everyone believes that David is underqualified. But he's the only one who's willing to step in. Soldiers won't do it. The, the king wouldn't dare do it. And so, let's give the kid a shot. He says he's taken down a bear, a lion, and throughout, throughout all of this, he's giving deference, honor to God. In verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so after that, there's this failed attempt for David to, to try on armor, and it's clunky, and, and, and it's, it's a, it doesn't work at all. And what he does, as you heard all growing up, as we all heard growing up, he takes this slingshot and, and finds five stones. But let's remember, he's this spirit-filled kid. And before thousands of people, he declares... You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds and to the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. 
So he slings this rock. And the rock goes to where it needs to go, uh, right into Goliath's forehead. He falls face down to the ground. And what we see is a man defending the honor of the God, of his God. And so we see in your outline, a king who fights for God's glory alone. There's so much to go in here with, with application, and, and um, I wish Matt could do it. <laughs> but the question, the resonating question for all of us is, are we living our lives for God's glory or for us? Are we living for our stuff, for accumulating wealth, accumulating security, for toys, for approval? Are we living for ourselves? Is it about me? That is the operative question to ask. Is it about me or is it about God? Because he's the one who deserves all honor and glory and strength. And this is who David is if you cut him open. Willing to die, willing to step in and step up. Our next snap shot is between David and King Saul in uh, chapter 24. And as I said earlier, Saul is just spiraling down and down and down. And he is heart, soul, and mind sick. And he's jealous. As, as the, there's this, the choristers who, who are saying that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. And um, he's presently this king in demise, and he's on the hunt to kill David. He's already tried to kill him. And he's assembled, assembled this army of, of 3,000 folks, and he, he tries to find them in this wilderness. It's called En Gedi. And David has his own um, group of folks. I, it, it's listed that he has 600 guys with him, and they're hiding in this cave in En Gedi. And of all things, Saul sets this up. He goes into the cave to go to the bathroom to relieve himself. And they're in the cave and they're whispering and they're saying, you can take him out right now. This is your chance. And so David tiptoeing and, 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 and crouching before King Saul, it goes like this in, in, in verse 4. David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of, David, of Saul's robe. And after... Afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid it that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. David's not mad because he didn't kill the king. David's mad because he cut the, the king's robe. 
that he came that close to harming him. And Saul leaves the cave, and David follows him and calls out to him and bows before him. Why do you think, Saul, that I'm trying to do you harm? Verse 10, and someone told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. The one who is anointed by God and given the Holy Spirit, the one um, who fights for, for God's glory alone. In verse 16, as soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me with good, whereas I have repaid you for evil. On to verse 20, and now behold, I know you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. And what we see here is a king who extends mercy over revenge. David is this king who has all this power at this moment, but willingly gives it up. And we see that in Jesus, a king who had all power and authority and willingly gives up that power on the cross. And so maybe the message for you and for me is that the greatest power that you might, that you have might be to release the hold of unforgiveness on someone. And that person, that someone might be yourself and extend to them the same mercy that David gives to Saul. This next chapter, this subheading is, is I think it's my favorite. Um, but it's between David and God. And it, we fast forward a, a, probably several decades. King Saul has died. David's best, best friend, Jonathan, has died. Um, and he is at the top of his game. He is now the king. He is anointed the king over the people of Israel. He's, a, he's the force to unite the, the 12 tribes. He's defeated the Philistines, and he's got the ark, and he's moved it into Jerusalem. And he seeks to proclaim God's fame and God's name and God's glory by setting the table to build what will be, what would be, God's temple. And he wants to highlight to, to the nations, to his nation, nation, but that not 
him, David, but God is the ruler, the cause of all of this. He wants to build a house for God. And in chapter 7, there's this dialogue that, that God has that of, of, of how he's moved about to be with his people. He's moved about them, you know, in a... In, I was going to say the Old Testament. In, in Exodus, he's moved about with his people in, in, in this tent, in this tabernacle, as his dwelling. And he's, he's sharing, I've been with you this time. I, I, I mean, that's cool that you want to build a temple, but I'm, I'm here with you. Um, and God's presence has been with his pe- people, but David wants to, to, to amp this up, and he... And we know that David would not be the one to build the temple. It's likely because he's been in too many battles and and wars and there's so much blood shed um, by his hand, but it will be through his son, through King Solomon. So all this is to set up what God wants to do. And I would say and highlight that this might be such a, this is such an important chapter of scripture in in terms of the whole storyline of of scripture and god reveals to david in verse 11 moreover the lord declares to you that the lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers i will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and i will establish his kingdom He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and your house and your kingdom shall be made forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision David spoke, Nathan spoke to David. All that to say, this isn't the generation and the the family that God is setting up, we're included in all of that. We're a part of that continuing story. And this kingdom and house, it, it extends beyond lineage. This will be a family and God's presence will continue to dwell with his people. See, David's family line, it's it's it stops, it ends with Jesus the Word made flesh. So God's presence, God's withness, is no longer this tabernacle and tent. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And His indwelling presence stays, it continues with all of us. Jesus didn't have kids, but He has kids, right? Um, in the way, he didn't have kids in the way kids are to be had. He's the last line of this seed from Abraham all the way up to him. There's this entirely new family line, an entirely different family and offspring that comes through Jesus and continues to build generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. I think you get the point. And his presence will continue to go with and within us. 
So we see in, in King David a king whose kingdom will be eternal. And you and I are invited. Invited and, and included into an altogether new family. We're brothers and sisters as we have placed our faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ. Not under the banner of a worldly leader, not under the banner of a nation or a flag, but under the banner of our ultimate King, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, as I close in these last moments, we've heard these sermons and messages in the past for us. You know, you got to be like King David. Fight, fight like David. You know, get in the battle. Face your giants and cut their heads off. Um, Get your heart right and make bold steps for God. But I want to kind of take that down a notch to, to, to how we end. Um, because as we look at this next section of you and the Holy Spirit, I just thought of Galatians 5, um, which teaches us about God's Spirit. The Spirit is made available for those who place their faith in Jesus. It's this new era and this new role. And that you and I have been given the Spirit of God. And to remind us that, like in Romans 8, where it says, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And it shares in Ephesians 1, His incomparably great power that's given to us by the Spirit to those who believe. That Spirit, you and I, can claim, can have, can take possession of. That spirit is, the power is the same of his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You and I don't have to be David. But you are to walk in the spirit. To keep in step with the spirit. And walk in a matter that shows God's spirit, God's fruit of Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And as you walk in this way, you will not gratify the flesh, the desires of the flesh. So what I want to say is um, just take one step at a time. One step at a time. Maybe one fruit of love to practice during your week. The next week, maybe the fruit of joy. Take that one step at a time. David's life is pretty amazing. And there's tragedy, tragedy to be talked about. And the scriptures don't sugarcoat this. And Acts gives this wonderful summary um, for David. As we conclude, it says this in, in Acts 13. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. David died. Okay? Verse 37. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that though this... Through this man, who is this man? 
Through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. When we think of David, there's corruption. But this, this one Jesus did not see corruption. He died, but he came back to life. He lives today. And he offers us freedom and freedom from sin. And we continue to proclaim the tomb is empty. And his resurrection is one that we continue to sing about, to believe and celebrate. So this last thought, beyond this great example of David, we need a great Savior, Jesus. And that is made available to you and to me. Let's remember that. Let's pray together. God, thank you um, for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you have included us in this family, in this offspring, that, that your kingdom continues um, because of your son, Jesus. Lord, help us find rest there. Help us find um, hope and leading by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us walk in the step with your spirit. God, thank you for these friends. Um, thank you for all that they're um, dealing with. And, and Lord, you go before them. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.